2: Hey, 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 man. What's going on? I'm pretty good. We had a a busy weekend, and it's been kind of a crazy week, but uh, doing well?
1: Yeah, I had kind of a crappy week, but uh, we'll talk about that on another show. Some uh, tragedy going on with the pets, but um, not ready to talk about that yet. But you know what I want to jump right into is um, a little story I thought of. After we stopped recording last week, we were talking about how dongles and copyright protection uh, ultimately—what's uh, the word I want—inconveniences the paying users. Exactly. Yeah. More than it inconveniences the the crackers because they're going to find ways to pirate no matter what. And since I've been a part of that, I I, I see it all the time. You know, when you're if you use BitTorrent at all, you see cracked stuff
2: everywhere all the time. Sure, but well, there was a, going uh, back. When I was in high school I, I had a lot of fun cracking uh cracking games for the the Commodore sixty four and stuff like that. Did you that have a really pirate cracker name that you used to put on the front of the games? I did. I was the Xerographer. <laughs> <laughs> It, you know, I was 16. What can I say? That's a good but, one. But, uh, yeah, I haven't done that in a long time. But so keep on, there's
1: a very famous now deceased audio engineer named Roger Nichols. You know, he did all of the Steely Dan sessions for the most part. He used to do Johnny Denver in the 70s. But, I mean, he's the man. He kind of adopted digital audio before most anybody was adopting digital audio. And as a part of that, he became a big Pro Tools guy. And he uh, he used to moderate a forum on the EQ Magazine's online forums. And back 10, 15, whatever this was, 10, 12 years ago, there were three big audio engineers each moderating a forum. Ed cherny who's only done productions like, I don't know, The Rolling Stones. Uh, Roger uh, uh, George Massenberg, who's, of course, a great audio engineer and a great designer of equipment. And then, of course, uh, Roger Nichols, and I used to read all their forums and ask them all questions, but I remember one day when Roger Nichols was doing a session in New York City, and he forgot his iLock dongle thingy or something like that. And he had to go to Manny's Music, which is this really famous, I think it's still open, independent music store in Manhattan, and buy a copy of Pro Tools and pay 700 bucks or whatever that number was, I don't know, just to get the iLock dongle to be able to record a session. And he already owned Pro Tools. You know, I'm sure when Pro Tools heard about that, they probably refunded him his money. I don't know. I don't really remember. But nonetheless, here's one of literally the biggest audio engineers in the world being inconvenienced to the point where it set him back money to be able to record a session. Because, I mean, he travels with his own gear, you know? So yeah. there there may have been a Pro Tools rig in the studio, but I think he likes to use his own because it's familiar and he's got his own, uh, you know... Uh, Plugins and customization, whatever. Yeah, he's yeah. got his own, What yeah. do they call that? You can save a certain... Um, Kind of like configuration of the way you like to track and stuff. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. think of the word I want, but anyway, so there's there's a, a, a great example of a, a major inconvenience for literally one of the world's biggest uh, audio guys. Interesting story. I guess he was a nuclear engineer or something in his earlier days. Very technical, very bright guy who later got into audio. But um, syndication,
2: yeah, we are our uh, reruns are being. Played on the Clutch and Wiggle Entertainment Network.
1: Yeah, we mentioned that briefly last week. And, I mean, I guess everything is a rerun because we don't do a live show. And from what I understand, they do have a lot of guys who do live shows. They've and, got live uh,
2: shows going on, yeah, including my friend uh, Sherwin Sleeves. Sherwin Sirwin Vega? Sherwin Vega? <laughs> and, yeah, no.
1: uh, well, so I guess what they do, there's a couple of artists that they call friends of Clutch and Wiggle or something like that, that where they, uh, when they're not doing live shows, they, they in continuous rotation play, uh, shows by us and some other entertainers slash podcasters who, um,
2: who don't do a live yeah. show. I have not listened to their stream all that much. Uh, I've heard some of their, their live stuff and some of their bits of their stream and uh, it's, you know, it's different than this, I'll say that, but uh, I'm happy to have uh, us getting out there maybe to a wider audience. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that much about them, and we do need to learn more, so it could be good or bad that we gave them the keys to the show, but uh, I'm sure we can take it away just as easily. But uh, from what I understand, a lot of their guys are sort of AM shock jockish. would that be a little, fair to yeah, say? Yeah, How-
2: Howard Sternish, I think. So. But
1: anyway, it's kind of exciting. Uh, so if you go to Clutch and Wiggle, it's like CWE. It would just type in Clutch and Wiggle Entertainment into the Googly, and you will, uh, you'll find that. And then uh, if you click on Shows and scroll down, since we're the last show, we're the last
2: on the, on the bottom yeah, of the page. Yeah, we're, we're at the bottom of the list. Right? So what else, man? So uh, yeah, this weekend um my wife Grace had people come over and to celebrate Earth Day we did like a commie Bastards gardening thing. We did a uh, yeah, commie Bastards. Yeah, on to to commemorate uh, what was it? Lennon's birthday or Stalin's birthday? I don't know. We uh <laughs> we did a thing where we had people work on uh seedlings for a co- for a couple community gardens. Ours being one of them. And uh that was neat. Uh, and some of these folks were actually people that Grace met up with at a local Occupy meeting. Again so with the commie bastards. Well. Yeah. So uh, so w- while they're not occupying uh, Midland or Saginaw or wherever, they're uh, becoming interested in community gardening. So Grace's big thing is uh, is doing organizing from the ground up.
1: Yeah. You mentioned that she kind of used to work in and around the not-for-profit sector and stuff like that. So she's into the organizing thing. Well, that's great. You know, if you guys lived around here, I could get your job a wife tomorrow, your wife a job tomorrow, (laughs) something like that. (laughs) I could get your job a wife too. I don't know.
2: Well, she's, uh, she's pretty busy. So the idea of like working a regular job in addition to taking care of Five kids and well, the volunteer stuff. Yeah, I, stuff I get she's that. Doing. And since you don't live around yeah. here, it's not going to happen. But, but I have she, a friend who runs a,
1: a not-for-profit, and I'm sure I could get uh, somebody
2: who with that experience in there. I think she probably will be looking for work at some point when the kids reach uh, a little bit older. Now, but uh, did you get your hands dirty? At at did once. you
1: did you sow some seed? Did you broadcast some seed and and get your
2: dirt under your fingernails? I. Didn't really. I, all I did was move some stuff around. Uh, you know, we are, I probably will be, but the gardening is really not so much my thing. I am the guy that mows the lawn, you know, stuff like that. So you, you I, murder I, I, grass, but
1: you don't grow it. Yeah,
2: you're right. I kill the plants. I do, uh, I do indoor plants. I used to be really, really into exotic indoor plants like hoyas and these variegated, you know, hard-to-find greenhouse varieties of things, and I used to grow them. But... I'm not so much into the food gardening, although I think that maybe I will get more into it.
1: Well, that actually leads us into this tune, a little uh, segue from gardening into this first track, which is, I guess we're not really presenting it as necessarily the most serious track that we would have ever played, but it's, right. it's, 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 it's in the form of a two-part segue. So uh, let's check this one out.
0: Here's another piece of fun information for you. There are 10 calories of hydrocarbon energy in every calorie of food you eat. 10 calories of hydrocarbon. Why? Well, you plant a crop. How do you plant a crop? You drive an oil-powered machine to till the land. Then you drive another oil-powered machine to plant the seeds. Then you've got to irrigate it. Well, how do you irrigate it? With water? Well, how's that pump? Electricity. How do you make the electricity? Natural gas or oil or coal to make the electricity. Then you spray them with fertilizers. What are, what are all the fertilizers made from? Natural gas. Ammonia is made from natural gas. What are all commercial pesticides made from? Oil. 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 So when the plant's oil, all grown up, oil, oil, and you oil, use all this oil to get it there. Then you've got to harvest it with another oil-powered machine. You've got to drive it to a food processing plant with another oil-powered machine, where it's processed with electricity, which is more hydrocarbon energy. Then you wrap it in plastic, which is, oil, which is oil, then you drive it by another oil-powered machine to a supermarket where you go and whoop out your plastic ATM card and pay for it, take it home and put on a plastic plate, which is made out of oil, throw it in a microwave oven, which is run by electricity, made by hydrocarbon energy, and then you eat it.
2: It is real, real, real. It is worldwide. It is a clear and present danger to our nation. These are facts, and we simply must face them. Procrastination is still a thief of time. We are at a turning point in
0: our history. The situation is one in which we must be ready to turn sharply from our present ways.
2: This is not a message of happiness. A reassurance, but it is the truth, and it is a warning.
1: So that sort of Tom Lehrer-ish tune brings us into a a segment on food, which, of course, John and I used to talk about every once in a while, since part of the show's name implies food.
2: Yeah, and I it, haven't heard all that, but I thought um, one of the things I thought we might do for a topic was keep a food uh, journal for a week and then just go through it and sort of talk about what it is that we eat. And I think actually it's it's interesting for more than one reason. You can do it maybe to talk to other people, but I think going through it yourself is interesting because you realize, oh, wow, did I really eat that? (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes I, I don't you tend say to that like, after I eat things. I've never found
1: myself saying, did I really eat that?
2: Uh, I guess. But if you look if back it, over the course of a week, maybe, I mean, I, I know I can easily fall into this like smugness, like, oh, yeah, I have a really healthy diet. But when I write everything down and look back over the week, I'm like, hmm, maybe it's not overall quite as healthy as I thought because I remember the healthy food and kind of uh, purge from my mind the unhealthy food. Well,
1: I, I do know that after, uh, like if I'm really depressed, I crave carbs, you know, so I might eat pasta Absolutely. and I might go out and buy a box of gluten-free cookies. And, yeah, when I finish that box, I go, oh, F yeah. me. Did I just yeah. eat that? But that's very rare. Well, why don't you start, man? Why don't you take us down sure. this, this food trip? Because I, I don't have too much to say about this because as an Aspie, I tend to be, get in habits where I eat the same thing for lunch and dinner for like a week straight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so my, my, well my diet consists of a lot of quality whole food. Um, right. My, sometimes, you know, you have to look at my diet over the course of a month to see a lot of variety. But, yeah, go ahead, man.
2: Right. Okay. Well, I maybe we can get some listener feedback on this, too, and people would like to tell us what, what they've been eating. But So starting Saturday night, which is when I, I started, uh, Saturday night, we do have patterns. We sort of have settled into a plan for a given week. And let me just as ask kids, you a
1: question. On Saturday yeah. night, did you listen to any Bay City Rollers? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, we're pretty close to Bay City.
1: <laughs> it's Saturday night, and I anyway. Go ahead.
2: Anyway, so uh, it's a uh, kids' food night. So we we ha- serve food that the kids would pick, and what that usually means is hot dogs or nuggets. However, we don't go to McDonald's and get McDonald's chicken nuggets. We got some locally made. Uh, chicken nuggets that are not made of this, you know, mechanically extruded, extracted pink crap that they were showing on Facebook a couple weeks ago. Yeah, the pink it's sludge. Well. These are actually like chicken white meat, and they taste pretty good. The, we know what's in the coating and all that's made by a local butcher. So we served those, and then we served a a big pile of uh, crudité, of crudity, as they say. We're very crude. Uh, broccoli, celery, carrots, and stuff like that. And then for dessert, this you might find interesting, we had a chocolate pudding that Grace made out of uh, coconut milk, but the, the main ingredient of this pudding was avocados. Yeah, you mentioned that, and that sounds really, really interesting to me. I'll have to get that recipe
1: or something from you.
2: It's a vegan chocolate pudding. It had no no dairy at all, and it was quite good, although you had to, like, Close your eyes and not think of avocados when you ate it because I I think they had to be a little riper. There's still this like slight odd avocado flavor to it. Yeah, I like avogadros. They're pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, well, they are good, but you don't maybe don't expect that like greenish flavor to be in your 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 chocolate chocolate pudding. pudding. It's a superfood,
1: you know, high in calories and fat and all that good stuff you need if you're expending a lot of energy.
2: Yeah. Well the the idea behind the fat is that it's a healthy fat. It's yeah, supposed yeah, to be a exactly. healthy fat. So then Sunday, coffee and my vanilla soy creamer. Uh or was that Sunday? Yeah. People brought over for the gardening party, uh we asked them to bring food. And it's interesting to see what people show up with. These are like the Occupy people and you would expect them to be like hippie granola folks mostly. Uh, and so, some people brought like some oranges, somebody brought homemade brownies, and someone uh brought a box of uh little debbie nutty mm. bars mm. with uh hydrogenated fat in them and i 'm sorry to say that i I ate a couple of those but uh wow. well, let me ask yeah. you another question when when you were having the garden party,
1: were you listening to any merillion? <laughs> no, now, I just have to ask, and I don 't mean to insult you. Do you get that joke? <laughs>
2: I, the, did they cover Garden, the old Garden Party well, song? Well, they have a, a song called song? Garden Party
1: anyway. Yeah. It's on their second record.
2: Uh, the one I would know is I went to a garden party to reminisce my, with my old friends. That's from the 70s. Though. Yeah,
1: no, this was, uh, this, no, that was, uh, oh, we didn't even want to go there. That's a super tangent waiting to happen. But, um, okay, continue. <laughs> yeah, so check out Marillion Garden Party, everybody. It's a cool tune. It's back when Fish was <laughs> still singing in the band.
2: Alright, well, that, and someone also brought uh, some fresh pineapple, so that was nice too. I don't usually uh, get pineapple but I ate a bunch of Oranges and pineapple, too, as well as the Little Debbie's hydrogenated toxin death sticks. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, back when I was in high school, I had a
1: girlfriend who used to like entomins. I don't know if you have the Entomans brand there. Oh, yeah. There. God, in high school, I ate
2: a lot of Entomans. And they
1: had these things called devil's food pop And they were sort of these devil's food chocolate cake things with frosting and, and chocolate sprinkles on them and, you know, like that cereal and... In Bloom County, chocolate-coated sugar yeah. bombs. You know, chocolate-covered
2: ba- <laughs> sugar bombs. That's yeah.
1: basically what these things were. And, you know, boy, we could just put away a box of those. No problem. Oh, yeah.
2: I used to work in a grocery store, and I would get, uh, on my break, I would get stuff like that to eat for, for my, uh, yeah, during high school. So what do you um, eat during the
1: week? Like when you're not hosting garden parties and salon at
2: your house, where do you go? Uh, well, what does your week look like? Um, Monday a coffee with half and half we have apple pie monday morning that's become a tradition we have a pie from the from the diner from fuzzy's diner um and then uh, I, I had a lunch that is something i often make myself when i'm in my office and taking a little break to go make something which is i get a whole wheat tortilla and some refried black beans and maybe some cheese or maybe some leftover chicken and i Uh, toast the tortilla, and I roll it up, and then I eat that with a little sour cream and some kind of hot sauce. Monday nights, I always make chili, uh, homemade chili with bison, ground bison, and uh, we're now using uh, Michigan-grown beans. We get dried beans and soak them and cook them, and then onions, garlic, and either uh, tomatoes, uh, canned tomatoes, which we're trying to get away from or uh, leftover uh, last t- Monday, I had leftover salsa, so I threw that in. It was actually pretty good. Um, and then uh, we made a rice pudding out of some of the leftover brown rice from sun- from uh, the Saturday night, from Sunday night, uh, with coconut milk. We get local honey, so it had local honey in it and cinnamon. Uh, Tuesday, raisin bran and coconut milk. Uh we actually I actually ate at lunch out. We were going for a walk and we stopped at Fuzzy's. I got a chicken dumpling soup and a tuna pita sandwich. Hmm. Tuesday is baked potato night. We have uh baked, baked potato potatoes just night. a huge huge pile of potatoes. It takes we've got seven eating and that's like a a. <laughs> that's a surprising amount of potatoes. I love the like red a,
1: potatoes. I'm a big red potato fan.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. They are. But these are usually bakers and we get a, a big bag. So but that's like ten pounds of Potatoes. Huh? It's a lot of potatoes. Either so that or you're making just, vodka. The, the, feds, serve, the revenuers yes. are going
1: to bust down your door if you keep buying quantities of potatoes that
2: large. Yeah, we have to buy quantities of everything that large. Our, our food budget is our biggest single uh, budget item, really. And so, and then we we throw on some sour cream. We throw on some leftover chili, some hot sauce. And then dessert has like, some more trail mix, cashews and cranberries and some prunes. Uh Wednesday morning coffee I made a mocha with like a hot cocoa mix and coffee milk free uh big salad for lunch um Grace made me a big salad with olives and tomatoes and capers and walnuts and some leftover chicken and then we had chicken soup we this is all the carcass from uh Sunday dinner mm. so she she cooked that up and uh we made chicken broth and uh All the vegetarians listening may be going, but... uh, We really don't have that many vegetarian listeners, actually. That (laughs) that could be. They just like the show. You know, I'm going to stop you right here. Okay.
1: And I need you to go back and look at your list and point out the things that you looked at this week and went, oh, did I actually eat that?
2: Yeah, well, let let me tell you, the soup had in it, besides chicken, it had a whole bunch of sweet potatoes, celery, broccoli, and split peas. So I, it was generally healthy soup. Right. It was, quite, it was quite good and all made with everything you know we can get locally. So, well, and I, okay, I get the was, idea that you eat pretty well, so we don't have to hear the whole week per se. I try, but. I try. But, um, yeah, I wanted to do a whole week, but we're not up to a week yet. But, okay, so what was actually unhealthy? The Little Debbie's things were unhealthy. Right. Uh I think I had too many chocolate chips uh in my little snacks. The pies, I'm not sure what kind of fats in the pies that fuzzies make, although they're really good so that can't be too bad. It's know? probably lard. If it's lard, I'm I'm okay with that. It's if it's some kind of really cheap frymax or whatever then I'm I'm not okay with that. But um what else was not healthy? It was mostly pretty healthy. Well it sounds um, to me like
1: you got a, a, a pretty good week going there. Well let me tell you a little bit about what out. I ate.
2: Sure, please do.
1: Okay. I eat scrambled eggs every day for breakfast, come hell or high water, because as a vegetarian, really? I don't have a a lot of, you know, good
2: proteins like that per se. So, So I would love to eat more eggs. I do eat eggs. Some mornings I eat eggs and whatnot, and I put them in things. But I'm always slightly hesitant to eat them regularly. Mm. Uh, do you get your cholesterol done once in a while?
1: Yeah, well, the last time I had it done, it was shockingly low. I'm not too worried about it. If I die, okay. I die. I
2: mean, I have a friend who Well So who you're, does... not, you're, made, you're probably not prone to high cholesterol or something. Yeah,
1: it's not really but... been an issue in my family. But, I mean, I get free-range organic eggs from my friend Lisa, who does honeybees and, and hens and yeah. all kinds of mad
2: gardening. So, yeah, I, I say, I'm literally not entirely... eat eggs every day. That's cool. I'm not entirely convinced, of actually, of the link between eating eggs, especially healthy eggs, and blood cholesterol. I'm not entirely convinced that they call that the lipid hypothesis—that right. eating these these fats is what gives you heart disease. I'm not entirely convinced of that. I think there are probably a lot of other factors, and we may really have it confused. So, that, but that's interesting to know.
1: But you know, in the summer, I'll do a lot of fresh salads because I get uh, all kinds of good broccoli and fresh tomatoes from my friend's organic farm in Frankfurt, New York. But I'll do—I um, buy broccoli when I am not getting it, like in the winters, and it's not the best, freshest broccoli. But I do like to sure. make a lot of stir fries during the week. Like I make these sort of rich versions of Chinese stir fries with
2: uh, soy sauce and stuff. I used to make stir fry all the time. I don't do it so much because we're on – like Grace does a lot of the cooking. But when I do cook, yeah, I'm I'm often stir frying or cooking a lot of vegetable dishes. I'm a big fan of – of vegetables just in general. I make
1: uh, my own bread. I have been for years, gluten-free bread, and I just started recently making my own sauce. So I've been known to do some pastas, and I do make some veggie sandwiches and stuff during the week as well. And nice. I, if my friend, uh, if it's summertime and the hens are, are fruitful, I get extra eggs than, normal, than the amount that I need to sustain my breakfast, and I hard boil them, and I will have a little snacky of a hard-boiled egg during the day if it's been a low-protein day.
2: Yeah. So you're a you're not a s uh you're not a vegan, you'd call yourself um I think mostly a Ovo, lacto Lacto but, but you said you will break down and eat and have a can of tuna once in a while, Yeah, too.
1: I do. I do. And if I'm out, I will have, like, a fish. If that's the only thing on the menu and it's not breaded and everyone's eating and I'm not, I, I'll have a salmon or something. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, that's that's uh, a minority. So in the purest sense, I'm not a complete vegetarian. And the one vegetarian listener that actually care, listens to us because they care about vegetarianism is going to stop listening now. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. And, and occasionally I'll break down if I'm depressed and I'll buy those carbs and uh, I'll eat a box of gluten-free cookies. And oh, by the way, when I say a box of gluten-free cookies, it's usually like uh, 12 tiny cookies and it costs 4 Yeah,
2: I know. They're they're so expensive. You know, I'm not, even when I've tried to binge for purposes of like, I'm going to cheer myself up by binging, I would, you know, for me, a binge is like half a pint of Ben and & Jerry's and, you know, oh, I six I used to cookies. do that, Yeah. Back, but, uh, and but I'm not a very good binger. I mean, I know bingers who would, like, you know, go through several pints.
1: <laughs> back in the uh, 80s, Ben & Jerry's used to have a flavor called mint and Oreo cookie. And, of course, the Oreo cookies had gluten in them. I didn't know I shouldn't be eating it. But I would put away a pint right. of the Ben & Jerry's. But, uh, yeah. well, you know, I want to roll into something else that we forgot to do in the intro here. We got some audio feedback on our oh, voice yeah. line the other day. So let's play this right now, and then we can just address that in uh, uh, 30 seconds of talk. So let's, uh, let's play that audio feedback right here.
2: Hi, Rich from Bloodthirsty Veg-
1: yeah, Vegetarians. This is Scott from Ubuntu Studio. You need to play more rock and roll, more heavy metal instead of this acoustic stuff you've been playing. You need to rock. Rock on, man. So complaining that we're not playing enough rock and roll. I don't know what was that Billy and the Psychotic stuff we played
2: uh, for the that past one's pretty couple rockin'. of weeks. Those are some pretty rockin' tunes. Although you know, if someone really doesn't like the soft acoustic guitars, then I can I guess I could see his point. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, well, but it's good stuff. And he he, I actually know who that was, and he does play a heavier style himself. I'm mixing some of his tunes uh, right now, actually. And, oh, uh, cool. well, well, you know, we play. Sometimes finding music, uh, artists that'll let us play their stuff is hard. So sometimes finding fresh music for the show isn't easy. So we kind of go back to the well, if you will, and play the, the Matt Schwartzers or the, the more mellow, whatever we have that we haven't played yet, you know? So we can't always, uh, we can't always find something uh, uh, necessarily in a genre that we want. We have to settle sometimes for uh, something that we already have. you know. But the good I'm, news is I'm going
2: to keep an ear out for for stuff that's a little harder to – yeah, I think so.
1: Well, I've, I've also contacted a lot of the artists that uh, played at my music fest, the Stone Soup Music Festival, and I have a bunch of them sending me CDs this week. So they didn't get cool. in time cool. uh, for today. But I did have one of those artists email me a track today. And uh, it was a band called uh, The Blind Spot. So let's uh, let's check them out right now. Let's check out this track. And uh, it's not really as, as keen a segue into the next segment as our last one was. But let's check it out.
3: Empty packets of tea, cigarette box, cellophane. Rest up like a million others ones clean the scream of wheels on bridges duck under overpasses we shoot like plasma through the thick of a vein it's you and it's me it's you and it's me past the point of tallying sheep it's these crazy clocks we keep
1: So that was called yellow to green by the blind spots, you know. Yeah, I like that. Was that is that a real Rhodes? Yeah, they the keyboard players got a lot of cool vintage keyboards that he brought to our show, and he actually doesn't even go direct with them. He plays through a Roland JC120 with all of yeah. his keyboards, and then he has us mic the
2: the Roland. It sounds like a. It's not a real sp- uh, spinning speaker, but it sounds like it could be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And very cool. uh that was off their record, El Camino Dream, and again that band's called The Blind Spots. We'll link to them, but they're out of Ithaca, New York, which is a really cool artsy community. Uh the Utney Reader once named it America's number one town, by the way. Oh, cool. Yeah, they well, Cornell is there, of course, you know, Ivy League, and there's lots of it's a very artisty enclavey kind of place. And uh if there was a curling club there, I'd move there. But uh <laughs> So I saw an article. I don't know if you had posted or somebody on f- Facebook had posted it about a blogger getting shut down because he was giving nutrition nutritional advice. Uh, he was describing this paleo diet, this sort of caveman diet that a lot of people are on, which is essentially low carbs, high proteins. And apparently was he's controlling... been advocating
2: the yeah the use of a paleo diet to control for, uh, diabetes for diabetics. Yeah. yeah, to 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 actually to uh, cure diabetes. It seemed sounded like to to get rid of the symptoms, become asymptomatic, and that was that was pretty cool. He, he also a, was saying he he was saying that he's not uh, a dietitian, he's not a doctor, right? And he ended up getting a pull down notice, and his blog got
1: taken down because he was administering uh, dietary advice without being a licensed dietitian. So I was just thinking, well, my my initial thought was, well, somebody had an axe to grind with that one because if you perused every blog. All sure, b- right. Thirty million of them, or how many ever there are in the world, including mine, and gave somebody a takedown notice every time that they said, you know, well, what I do is
2: this, and I'm not saying it's right for you, but it worked for me because they I lost 75 pounds on eating ten eggs a day or whatever. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, if you if you gave everybody a takedown notice, boy, there wouldn't be many blogs left. I mean, I I kind of thought it went without saying that, you know. Kind of like you and I were saying, I am not a lawyer when we were talking about the legal issues. But right. and, and while I recognize that there probably should be one or two prohibitions on free speech, I generally agree with the you can't yell fire in a crowded theater precedent. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, come on. First of all— It's
2: interesting. It was the state. Uh, people are always complaining about, you know, the— how Obama's gonna? You know, we're gonna have soldiers goose-stepping in our streets, and we're gonna be rounded up and sent to camps under this communist dictator, or whatever usurper, and all that. But it's interesting to point out that this was the state. I believe this, like this, was state it North Department Carolina, public health, North or South Carolina? Probably yeah. North Carolina. Well, it's that, below that the Mason Dixon down. line,
1: so they're probably more uh, right wing leaning than not administrations.
2: Possibly, but yeah, you would uh, you would almost uh, I don't know that it's censorship and and speech and all that. It's not like a traditional right left issue. I've I've seen a lot of people on the left advocate censorship in a sense, but I think we should just step back and say, um, you know, this is maybe relevant to what was happening with Ted Nugent, what was happening with Rush Limbaugh. And I just want to make the distinction when we talk about censorship, I'm never talking about uh, advocating uh, boycotting someone's advertisers or telling their advertisers to pull their ads or even saying, you know, you shouldn't listen to this. Censorship is always actually the, the government getting involved. Right and restricting someone's speech, so you know. Yeah, when people wanna...
1: throw the right to free speech around, they think that they do have the freedom to say what they want. Well, eh, what you what, well, the the guarantee to free speech is that the government cannot suppress your free speech. If you're in right. my house and I don't like what you're saying, I can ask sure. you to leave. That is, and not you're never guaranteed censorship. an
2: audience, especially in this all these forms of speech where there's a big, there's a corporate backer and there's someone who owns the airwaves or or your channel or even your studio or your microphone.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, in general, you know, there are things that can't be said. Oliver Wendell Holmes, right, you know, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. It's probably not a good idea to go to an airport and say, I am carrying a handgun. That would be another part of free speech that... You know, you would think would make sense that e- even if it's a joke, even before nine eleven, you couldn't say right. that without being arrested. Um,
2: I, th- I think there are some some legitimate reasons where the interest in public safety or whatnot can uh, outweigh your your rights. The and greater there are, good. There, there are. Um, there is of course the classic case of of treason that treason is still a crime that plotting to overthrow the government may still be considered a crime but um it for most things I'm pretty much a, an absolute supporter of the first amendment I mean given that it's designed to protect speech that that I personally and you personally disagree with you know yeah. I and mean, I may not disagree with this guy but if you give the government the power to to censor him because it goes against, what he's saying goes against scientific orthodoxy. I mean, you can see how uh, you might start saying, well, these uh, climate scientists, you know, they're just making this stuff up and and uh, we're going to have to shut that down because they're giving false information about global warming and, uh, you know, we can't have that. It's a danger. They're, they're going to cause a public... Uh, panic or outcry, but then you gotta you gotta ask yourself who's in charge of the government and who's controlling it and who's donating to their campaigns, you know? Right. Well, I I, I because the blog was down and
1: I didn't archive orgit and I probably should have to see if the the contents were up there, but I guess my question is, were they advocating the diet and recommending it? for diabetics, you know, where this paleo diet and, you know, whether or not that crosses the line in their state, I don't know. But uh, I would think that seems to me that would be the tipping point because, man, there's an awful lot of work they're going to have to do censoring blogs if if they're worried about, you know, people. So many blogs are about self-help and it's like make Make magazine, and you know, some of it's about you know, building and making things. And but man, everybody talks about their personal experiences and how it helped or hurt or affected their lives. So I would have to think that they basically the line they crossed, if there was a line and whether or not that line is right or wrong, I don't know because I don't know all the details yet. But I would think that line would have to be saying this worked for me and it'll work for you. And you know, I don't know if they did that or not.
2: Well, or, you know, how mu- I mean, how many disclaimers do you have to have on something before you can pretty much, before we've established that this is your personal opinion? I mean, if you, you state at the beginning your lack of qualifications and say, you know, really, if you have questions about your own diet, you should probably talk to a, a professional. But I mean, consider this, every scientific, every orthodox scientific fact that we now know at some point has been a heretical statement or a uh, you know or an unorthodox statement. Well, Galileo wasn't pardoned by the pope till 25 or 30 years ago, right?
1: Wasn't it? Yeah. In the 80s that Joe Pope I don't know who would it have been, but Joe, Joe Pope. <laughs> I was going to say Pope John Paul the 1st, the 2nd, the 8th. I don't remember which pope it was who did the pardoning, but you know, Galileo put forth some pretty yeah. heretical ideas about, you know, what bodies revolve around what and this, that and the other thing. And well, and and Kaepernick, a Polish guy, by the way. And uh, right. yeah, he didn't get pardoned until, I believe, the
2: 1980s. So, yeah, and when you have the government, that's basically uh, indistinguishable from the religious authorities in that case. But that's uh, I don't want to get too deep into that. But yeah, even I mean, it was only a, a matter of a, a few years ago that uh, everyone was pushing um, polyunsaturated fats. Like margarine is much healthier than butter. And I, I don't know, you know, depending on who you talk to, I don't think that that's necessarily uh, now considered completely, you know, overthrown. But I, I think th- there's certainly been an awful lot of doubt on the health of these, casts, on the health of these different fats and so- basically... The idea of diet, like you know, the the government pushing uh, ten servings of complex carbs a day. You know, I still I believe now that if I ate that, I'd be comatose and depressed and weigh three hundred pounds. You know. So are
1: you trying to get a takedown notice for our show now by dispensing uh, anti margarine advice?
2: Exactly yeah, you know, I knew if, it. if you're if you're selling medications through your website that are you know that have arsenic in them or you know laudanum or snake oil, you know like you're promoting this as a as a vitamin but it's loaded with alcohol and narcotics or something you know you're pushing a fraudulent cure i mean that's something that's like not a matter of opinion you know we should regulate products, but as far as speech, like why don't you consider this you know I, I really would not. I would restrict very few people and just, you know, I do believe, uh, I don't believe in caveat emptor as far as, you know, well, you, sh- you should be careful because any of these products out there might kill you because I believe that's not speech. Like that product itself, you're not free to, to sell something that's going to poison people. Sure, But uh, but as far as the speech goes, I, I wouldn't restrict a whole lot myself, even if it's an, an unorthodox idea that uh, might make someone sick if they really follow it, if they're, I don't know, gullible enough to follow one person's advocacy without checking on it with any other sources of their own insight or their own experience?
1: Well, look, we have people who believe in a religion made up by a science fiction author who thinks <laughs> that the Jesus is hiding on a spaceship, hiding behind the moon or something. So yeah, I I probably wouldn't go that far, quite as far as you. Uh, I don't think I would have probably taken this guy's blog down. But if I mean, if somebody is recommending something that you know is 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 demonstrably potentially harmful, like could cause uh, a coronary or you know something could happen if you try this, you know, I might uh, I might be willing to censor them uh, to a certain degree. So, my friend,
2: uh, the the person who I think posted the link. has actually been dealing with um, a child that has uh, a real problem with his teeth and and has had, like, uh, nasty tooth decay and was basically scheduled to have, like, all this dental surgery done to, I I don't know how old, I forget, three or something like that. And it sounded just awful. So she was casting about for, you know, there's got to be some uh, unorthodox, Treatment for uh, for childhood uh, tooth decay that is better than this, and I don't know how much of what she achieved was due to what due to these uh, unorthodox treatments. But she went on this uh, real quest, and she got information about uh, radically changing their diet and adding all these supplements. I don't even know the nature of exactly what all they added, but apparently. Uh, this kid's teeth have have improved a great deal, remineralized, and they're going to avoid like this major dental surgery. And you know, uh, again, I'm not a I'm not a dentist, ian it or whatnot. But um, the person promoting some of these ideas, I, I think you do need to be careful. But the per, the person who uh, put these ideas out there that she's following, you know. Maybe helped her uh, save her kid a lot of pain and a lot of expense.
1: Yeah, the so. the medical industry, everybody likes to talk about the medical profession to make it sound so grandiose and elevated, but I, I tend to say the medical business, you know, they're losing yeah. money if, when you're finding treatments at home. So the medical business will certainly intervene. You know, uh, I, and and that's what I think to, yeah. may have actually happened here. I, I, I think there was somebody with an ax to grind went after this guy because yeah. they're, they're going to have to do an awful lot of work again if they take down all the blogs. I mean, I actually, speaking of dental issues, years ago I had canker sore issues, gums, tongue, the whole nine yards. Very painful. When Ouch, one would begin yeah. to heal, I would be getting another one. And Mm. I did some research on the internet and I found out that a lot of toothpastes use a a dispersant that foams it up, you know, um, called sodium lauryl
2: sulfate, SLS. I'm sure you've seen it on your toothpaste ingredients in the... That's, yeah, we, that's one of the most common additives in any kind of, it's a detergent. It's in like every commercial shampoo. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a
1: slightly different derivative. It's not sodium lauryl sulfate. It's sodium laurel something else, but it's a relative of it in the shampoos. But I tell you, it, it took a while to find SLS free toothpaste. And when I did though, that all went away. My canker sores healed. And, you know, I emailed a bunch of like Tom's natural foods. They even use it in their toothpaste. So I emailed them and asked them like, why are you using it? And they were like, well, we haven't seen a conclusive study that shows that uh, SLS actually causes that. So here, have some coupons for our toothpaste. And I was like, <laughs> well, why would I use your coupons for your toothpaste right. when I believe SLS is giving me canker sores? And I'll tell you what, I get maybe one a year now. And I I always uh-huh. had one at that period of my life. When one would begin to heal, another would form. So I was just Interesting. massive Interesting. amounts of
2: pain. But I think people also have... Um, People also really do have individual biochemistries, or yeah, our not, body
1: chemistry is all very unique, sure.
2: maybe not that unique, but you know you're one of maybe you have particular genetic predispositions that make you sensitive to things. I can't eat um, you know, in the fall when everything is ripe, and everyone has lots of tomatoes to harvest, I cannot eat a lot of tomatoes. I can uh, eat a few tomatoes, but I eat a lot. And like you, my mouth breaks out and sores. Well, I, If I, I eat a lot of citrus, the same thing happens.
1: Well, what yes. is it? They say lycopene, that uh, mineral in the tomatoes is good for the male prostate. So, but I, I do tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I love tomatoes. It's one of my favorite fruits, although everybody calls it a vegetable that there is. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get as many as I can from uh, my friend's uh, farm that they'll be willing to give me at a good price. And uh, salads, but, sauces, the whole nine yards. Well, I don't know if we've solved any free speech issues tonight or not, but uh,
2: (laughs) I guess that's uh,
1: yeah. I guess we're done with the show.
2: All right. Well, I thought it was it was a good chat.
1: Yeah, it wasn't bad. Uh, You've been listening to Bloodthirsty Vegetarians, and my name is Rich Wilgus. I'm Paul Potts in
2: Saginaw, Michigan.
1: Check us out on the web: www.bloodyveg.com. Why don't you give them our feedback address?
2: Feedback at bloodyveg.com. There
1: you go. And our voicemail is 206-376-0397. And we look forward to getting some more voicemail calls from anyone and everyone out there. So we'll, uh, we'll see you next time.
2: All right. Take care, all.